and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, we will be breaking down the matchup of the century. Henny v. Herbert, Thompson v. Eckler, Tim Ward v. Joey Bosa, dare I say. Dare I say. Actually, Joey Bosa didn't play, but I just thought that'd be funny. Just kidding. Why did you list all of those like Supreme Court cases rather than, you know, MMA matchups? <laughs> well, because, I mean, when, when they say, like, Ali and uh, Frazier, don't they say Ali v. Frazier? Like they don't say verses. I feel like it's more more of a quarterback and pitcher thing when you have a verses, isn't it? All I know is that's what you call like you know court cases. I'm pretty sure they said Ali v. Frazier. They 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 never go Ali versus Frazier. Did you see that matchup in the jungle? Rumble in the jungle. What about Paul v. Robinson? I didn't I didn't get that cut. Sorry, Reese. <laughs> Paul v. Robinson? Come on, guys. We just joked about this like two weeks ago. Logan Paul and Nate Robinson? Oh, yeah, I got oh, it. Yeah, gross. Oh, <laughs> Also, how how am I supposed to know that, like, Paul, out of all the last names Paul, it has to refer to Logan Paul? Well, the fact that it went, and, and it was actually Jake, it wasn't Logan. Yeah, aren't they the same? Aren't they just, like, the same clone in different versions? <laughs> and different Twitter, Twitter yeah. accounts. <laughs> All right, well, that went off the rails, but for a good reason. I'm going to stick by my V, but we're going to put it up on Twitter in a Twitter poll. Is it V or Versus? Just kidding. We don't do Twitter polls, but we will soon. So make sure you subscribe on Twitter. No, it's it's definitely Versus, you guys. I think V is better. Two to one. Here we go. So we were just kidding about all those matchups because most of them didn't happen, except for Henny Herbert. So we're going to be breaking down. Well, not really breaking down. We're just going to be talking about the 38 to 21 loss that we took to the Las... Oh, I almost said Las Vegas. (laughs) I'm going to keep that in there because screw the Chargers and screw the Raiders. The loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. And don't worry, for those of you that didn't watch the game and just kind of following along, most of our starters were benched and we were kind of playing the second stringers. But it was good because we got to see what our future may look like. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. But before we talk about that, we want to say Happy New Year. Happy 2021 to all of our fans out there. And I'm sure all of you out there have some New Year's resolutions. One of your resolutions should be Two, subscribe to our podcast on all of your favorite devices. Not only that, but you should also contribute on Patreon. It's 2021, baby. It's time to have some some new subscriptions. Forget that Netflix. Forget that Hulu. Forget that Amazon Prime. It's Fountain City Sports Media, baby. Yeah, put those stimulus checks to good use. Who needs a house? Who needs rent? (laughs) Put it towards Fountain City Sports Media and get yourself some best friends. Yeah, I mean, if you've been stuck at home all day, what is the one thing that you need? You need friends. Not only will you get to pick a beer, but you'll get to, like, interact with us, like, email us and stuff. It's like we're friends. Do you think if we had, like, an $100 a month tier, we'll come help you move. Like, you don't even have to pack. We'll pack everything for you. (laughs) Armando's got a pickup truck. I got a reliable crossover. We'll help you move. I, I've, I've also moved like three times in the past year, so I am an expert mover now. Armando, you have a pickup now? Yeah, dude. You haven't seen it? No. When the f*** did you get a pickup? I got a Nissan Frontier. I got it, uh, when did I get it? Dude, that's literally like 
like my like my dream ride. It actually is a pretty sweet ride, and I also have like custom tires on it too. That's pretty, dude. I can't believe you didn't send me a picture of that. It's like you don't even know. I me. mean, this was this was like a year ago, and I thought, no, you you would have seen it because. I took I I drove it last year when we went to see the Chiefs Raiders game. Yeah, dog, did you remember that? It's a sexy truck. You probably were in the truck. I bet you were just drunk as. No, dude, you did no, you did not have it then. I did. I I, I drove it to Kansas City. Wait, you saw it because we stayed together at an Airbnb. You were still driving that hatchback, right? I mean, in in your defense. You had the flu, which very well may have been coronavirus at the time oh, yeah, as we were going to that right. game. Yeah, Remember? I was incredibly sick. You already had the Frontier at that point? Damn, I'm sorry, man. I didn't remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I drove the Frontier huh. out. That's okay. It's a nice I forgive trip. you. I feel like you're full of shit. No, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. He was legally the mayor of Lee's Summit for one day when he drove that thing into town. Remember that? <laughs> Before we go into the Chiefs-Chargers game, what did you guys do for uh, New Year's Eve? I don't like these personal questions. I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> well, you got something to hide? You got a Dodge 2500 in your garage, Kyle? <laughs> well, I'll I'll tell you what I did. I, I did two goods and one bad. The two goods being I came home from work and I had champagne and sushi. Nice. That is the most, the most bougie thing you'll ever hear me say. The one bad was I allowed my wife to talk me into seeing The Mummy Returns because I had never seen it before. And oh, my <laughs> word. Have you seen the regular Mummy, like Mummy 1? I, I, I've seen I've seen The Mummy. I have not seen Scorpion <laughs> King. Hey, guys, it's me, Hollywood actor Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Say Brendan Fraser? Do you want an autograph? <laughs> Hi, guys, it's me, Hollywood actor Brendan Fraser. I got your address off of WeChat. <laughs> What's WeChat? Hey, it's me, Hollywood actor Brendan Fraser. I snuck into your house after you left for work. Do you want that autograph now? <laughs> Brendan Fraser, uh, <laughs> restraining order of the podcast. Well, that was dark. Um, all right. Uh, so what did I do? I watched, speaking about dark, well, it wasn't really dark. I watched Tenant, and I was uh, probably like a couple whiskeys deep. So I was a little tipsy for it, and I should not have been tipsy for it. Even if I was completely sober for the movie Tenet, I still wouldn't have understand what was happening. It was like Chris Nolan took steroids of Chris Nolan and put it into his veins and said, watch this. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What even is this movie right now? But I'll let you guys see for yourself if you haven't seen Tenet. Buckle up, drink some coffee, stay alert. I haven't seen it yet. Stay no. alert. <laughs> is that the one with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson in the white in the lighthouse? Uh, Willem Dafoe is not in no, it. That's, <laughs> that's called lighthouse. The lighthouse. <laughs> Which is actually a very underrated movie. I love that movie. Um, it's so messed up, but it is so good. Uh, I also watched some movies over New Year's. I saw a couple movies that I had never seen before, and I'm really glad I finally saw them. One of them is Carol, a movie with Cate um, Blanchett and Rooney Mara and a bunch of other like really great like supporting actors. It's back from like 2015, and I've never seen it before. But it turns out it had like a cult following for a while, and it was so good, excellent. And then I watched um, The Master for the first time, 
I, I, I'm a huge Philip Seymour Hoffman fan. Big stonk school. All right. So New Year's Eve was good. And we hope that you all have a great 2021, just like this podcast is going to. So let's let's break it off with, with some... Well, actually, this isn't good news. Uh, not good news. <laughs> let's just address the bad and then we'll talk about the good. So one of the bad things about playing these games is that there is risk for injury, especially with these guys that maybe haven't seen a lot of time, but a couple of freak injuries. First one, Willie Gay. Willie Gay got a sprained ankle. Not too bad. I'm assuming he's going to be out for the playoffs. As of right now, there is no there is no word about whether he's going to be able to play for the playoffs, but I'm assuming with the sprained ankle, he's not going to be able to. So that's not good. And then super not good, although he probably wasn't going to play in the playoffs, but just not great because he was playing so well. Um, DeAndre Baker has has a non-contact injury uh, to his femur. He had a broken femur, and if you guys saw that play, it was brutal. That was gross. You like couldn't see it during the play, but then they do the replay and show it in slow motion, and I think the uh, commentators were seeing it for the first time as well, and they were like, oh, that that was pretty bad. It, his leg looked like jello. Uh, but he had surgery today. It was successful. Uh, so I really hope he's back, you know, 2022, really, at this point. I'm not faulting him for this, obviously, but it's just like, wasn't he just running and it broke from under him? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was non-contact. He, like, slipped, he, like, tripped on himself, and then he flew, and, like, that's when it got bad. That's often how a lot of those awkward injuries happen, though, because, I mean, these guys are so big and strong and fast, and sometimes it's, it's like, an awkward well, thing. What's like weird, that. though, is if you, if you look at, like, Spencer Ware and Gordon Hayward, they were at least, like, coming down from, like, a jump when they landed, like, on their ankle and on their femur and their shins and broke them in half. But it's just it's so weird seeing him just run and have that happen to him. And like you said, it sucks because he was playing so well. I mean, I think it's I think it's the same type of injury, right? Because, I mean, the acceleration and the force is great, too, even if he wasn't coming down from yeah, and like a, most most non-contact injuries are going to be the worst injuries. I mean, just going to NBA, Paul George, Gor- Gordon Hayward, all those like really nasty ones are always non-contact. So it's bad, but you know we're gonna we're gonna keep them in our keep them in the Fountain City Sports Media prayers and uh, hope he gets better. And for what it's worth, Andy Reid came out in a presser today and said, uh, "quote I'm telling you, the prognosis is good for him." He was actually playing very good, so we look forward to getting him back. So that says hopefully that uh, the surgery went well and they plan on re-signing him next year. Why why don't we get into that? So for this podcast, I mean, I don't want to break down any particular plays. I just want to talk about who stood out to you guys. Who do you see that is going to take the keys of this organization, not next year, but you know, maybe in two, three years, these guys are going to have prominent roles with the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean... That's a good question that I'm not sure can be answered from this game. I also think those are two different questions, right? Because who stood out in this game is not necessarily who I think is going to have the keys to the franchise. But uh, for for that much, Fair. I mean, I think the Fair. obvious answer uh, offensively is Darwin Thompson uh, had a good game. Um, but I was also equally, if not more impressed, I thought both Darius Harris and Bo P. Keys had good games. Um, not least if you look at the stat line. Um you know, Harris had 10 tackles with seven solo tackles and Bo Pete had eight with also seven solo tackles. And, uh, I, you know, I thought, I thought that was a really good showing considering how much playing time both those guys got. Obviously there were a couple instances where maybe they got beat, but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of disappointments, I, I, I'm not really sure that you can call 
Chad Henney quite a disappointment. I think he probably played to the level that he's capable of, and he showed that he knows the offense and knows the system. Uh, he was able to spread the ball around between uh, Robinson and Pringle and uh, Hardman. A couple little sort of um, appearances by, like, Yelder. But, um, yeah, that's that's all that comes to mind for me. If we're going to talk about guys that I thought really stood out yesterday, I'm with Kyle. I thought Darwin Thompson looked good because this is the first time he's had more than just a series to show what he can do. And there's still some goobers and gaffes there. I mean, particularly, he has a knack for dropping the ball, which I don't get because he's got these arms that look like if he squeezed, like, uh, you know, if he squeezed a bowling ball, he could just, like, shatter it. So it's like, how is he not just destroying footballs the second they're in his hands? <laughs> but, but, uh, Reese, Andy Reid loves running backs that can't hold the ball. So it's okay. He's got a future with us. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a very good point. Now, I saw after the game in the presser, too, uh, Andy Reid has some good things to say about Darwin Thompson going forward. So that's encouraging as well. Uh, so outside of the obvious of him, I'm going to say it again. But this is no news. Byron Pringle looked great. I don't understand why if we're going to go on wide receiver uh, wide receiver purely depth chart, it's not Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Byron Pringle. You know, no no knock on McCole Hardman or anything like that. He's still developing, but Pr- Pringle can play. Pringle's an impact guy every time he gets the hands of the ball. You're, you're taking Pringle over Robinson? I was, I I was going to say Pringle has to surpass Robinson first before we can talk about McCole. I don't know. I I'm serious. I think I think Pringle's a better receiver than Robinson is. Pringle Pringle has the the opposite of Robinson in the sake that Robinson has this knack for always doing the wrong thing, like running laterally and fumbling out of the end zone. Whereas Pringle has like the opposite of instincts. Like he he has a great feel for when to make a spin move and when to try to extend a play and when to just take a pass and go down. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna jump in with a Pringle and then talk about some other players as well. So Byron Pringle, I totally agree with you. I think that he potentially should be a wide receiver three for us. Um, I just don't know if that's gonna happen. I mean, Byron Pringle's already 28. Um, I know they love Demarcus Robinson. Sammy Watkins will be leaving, but this is also a really stacked free agent wide receiver pool for this next year. I mean, what what are the what are the chances that Brett Veach signs a veteran wide receiver to replace Sammy Watkins, which then puts Byron in the same position? I think those chances are unfortunately high for Byron. I think we also might be able to take some of the X factor into account in the fact that, you know, Pringle's a big 12 guy. He's a state guy. Um, so I'm not sure where, where he's from necessarily, but considering he went to college just down the road, he may be willing to stay in Kansas city for cheap. And, and in that case, I agree with Reese, I think is a fourth option, maybe third, depending on injuries or who's playing well, that could be good. But I totally agree with you. Byron Pringle has that big playability. He's fast. He's speedy. You can also send him or put him in the screen pass and then he can have a lot of yards after the catch, which is great. So I hope that we implement him more, at least putting him in as a rotational player with Demarcus Robinson, like, you know, not having Demarcus taking all the snaps, but maybe splitting him for next year. We probably won't see Byron in the playoffs, but yeah, who knows? I will say this, particularly about Pringle and our receiver shuffle right here. I think it's about time to say that I've seen enough from McCall Hardman in regards to being a kick returner, and that's one thing I just don't think he's cut out for, which which isn't a bad thing. It was the turning point of the game yesterday. He botched another kick. So what I would like to see at the very least is you put in Byron Pringle at punt return, put in Fenton at kickoff return, and just let McCall be a wide receiver. I don't see any harm in that. 
yeah, I well, I see Harmon, McCole Harmon being our our punt returner or receiver at all because he never fair catches it. And then of course the the one game that doesn't really matter, he bobbles it. But it doesn't matter that he doesn't bobble it in any of those other games. He just has no like self-awareness in those times he wants that big play he wants to be Tyreek Hill and you're right he's not I don't even see McCole Hardman being our number two wide receiver in the future honestly hot take Mondo I think McCole Hardman's ceiling is wide receiver three we've given him three years this year we've given him plenty of chances to prove himself he's a good wide receiver but for the Kansas City Chiefs for the best offense in the NFL possibly the best offensive in NFL history he is not a wide receiver Two. I just want to know why we're not playing him more in the slot a la a Randall Cobb type because dude he, he's built like Randall Cobb he's got way more speed than Randall Cobb it's like couldn't we just kill having him run you know short slant routes and across the field routes just basic things like that I think because because that's Sammy's well I, well Sammy's out right now but I think that's Sammy's role is Sammy is that guy is the slanter is the guy playing the slot position but I don't want to see if I mean, sorry, when Sammy is released or we trade him or whatever to get off that contract, I don't want McColl taking his spot. I would rather take a, a Kenny Stills uh, or a Galladay or even Larry Fitzgerald if he leaves. I would rather them be in wide receiver two position next year than to develop our young player. Okay, another play that's to actually let me talk about Darwin Thompson a little bit as well. Kind of the same predicament. Even though Darwin is very good, right? He had over 110 yards receiving and catching combined, two touchdowns. He looked great. You're right. He bobbled a little bit. I also don't see him being in this offense. Maybe he is running back three next year, uh, but I can totally see us maybe hanging on to Bell for one more year or maybe getting another veteran. Uh, it's it's just tough for me to see how he fits in going forward. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? I personally see him going into a lot of those packages that we're seeing Alarian right now. Uh, he's a, he's kind of a similar size, similar build. You know, he's a small five foot seven yeah. guy, muscular, not as stout as Alaire is, but still the same way. I'm encouraged this game in particular that his football IQ seems to have like jumped up in the last year, which is very surprising to say given his limited amount of reps and lack of a preseason. But minus those two plays where they decided to you know stuff him on the goal line and stuff him on that, what was it, fourth and one, he seems to have a knack at patience and finding the lane far better than he did last year where it seemed that the second he got the ball, he was looking to make a play and just like go full speed sprint. He's holding down the right trigger on, on Madden. But he, he played very, very intelligently yesterday, and I think it showed off in the box score. I agree that uh, he's a solid backup to CEH to, to use in the same schemes. Um, and I think uh, yesterday was a good show of what happens when he has to be the main guy, right? <clears throat> because it wasn't just that he's being slotted into to Edwards Elaire's plays, but that you know he's the he's the option for the entire game. And he quitted himself well. Um, I think there's no question that Ceh is the starter, but I agree with Reese that um, Darwin can hold his own in there. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what we do with Damian Williams because Damian will still be there next year. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Darrell Williams and then obviously Le'Veon Bell because they all on the depth chart are still ahead of him. And I don't think this one game is going to put him 
above that. But I did like what he did. We just we just have so many weapons. It's just it's it, it's it's unfortunate for these guys that are good, but they might not see the field. Uh, one guy that we haven't talked about yet that I thought was very good and kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even know he was on the team. Tim Ward. Tim Ward coming out of there and freaking, yeah, <laughs> freaking like I, I sacks all over the place. He had one sack and one uh, tackle for a loss, but he just looks great. He looks big. He's athletic. He's fast. Exactly what we need. Do you guys think that he can actually be a ro- rotational player like immediately maybe? I really think he could be. He's that guy that, you know, could step in for Taco Charlton or step in for Okafor on that defensive end. Dude, that guy is fast, and he is a high-motor player. Holy crap, he never gave up on a play. I remember specifically in the third quarter, I think it was Eckler had that big run down the sideline, and he chased him down, man. He was about like one step away yep. from just like leveling him and ending his life. Dude, when was the last time we saw a defensive tackle on our team not quitting on a play after someone got by him? <laughs> that's so true yeah I mean he was definitely playing for his life and I hope that that is how he plays and it wasn't just because he was trying to get field time but also consider that the uh, the uh, Chargers weren't sitting any of, any of their offensive linemen they weren't sitting any of their running backs and of course they had Justin Herbert so what we saw from that defensive line particularly Tim Ward and then also you know we saw Tershawn Wharton we saw some of Willie Gay before he got injured like that was all real stuff that wasn't fake so that makes me very hopeful that Tim Ward might be a part of this this rotation in the playoffs when our defensive line might be you know pretty tired against titans against the the ravens i mean who knows i just think this was a very good game i think this was the most important person to watch because he can play immediately actually actually i want to uh, just talk quickly about keys I also liked what we saw from Keys, but that dude did not look good against Mike Williams. Like he he he's he's just not very big and and here's here's one thing that I don't like about the Chiefs when it comes to cornerbacks. We have this type that we like. They're short, they're fast, they're they're short. They're all short. <laughs> Which, like, sucks. I mean, Breland isn't, but Fennett is. Ward is. Bo Peak Keys is. You're, you're really bringing the analysis today, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> no, I, that is very important. They are they are not as athletic and can't match up. But that, but honestly, that's huge. That's that's huge for all of our cornerbacks to be short. Like, Mike Williams is going to expose us. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to expose us. DJ Metcalf is going to uh, expose ex- us. Like, excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins is not going to expose us. DeAndre Hopkins didn't make the playoffs. But you know what I mean. People of like-minded wide receiver bodies, it just doesn't look good. Like, it doesn't matter how fast Fenton is. It doesn't matter how fast, you know, Keys is. It doesn't matter. It Like, if they don't have the body, they will not do well. And I don't know why the Chiefs love this type of body type for cornerback. Keys is long. Keys is athletic. Keys can tackle well. We saw that yesterday when I think he said, what, he had seven tackles in the game. His coverage skills still aren't good and aren't good aren't good enough to contribute in the playoffs, unfortunately. But again, you got to remember this is a guy that's coming out of Tulane, playing uh, what are are they even American Athletic Conference Tulane? You know, so he's playing dudes like that, and now he's stepping in. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, play first stringers on the NFL level with a quarterback who can throw dimes. So I really can't blame him for getting blown up on coverage like that when he didn't have a preseason when he's playing nothing but special team snaps this year. 
I have a I will be reserving my judgment on keys until later on next year personally. But you got to remember our, our linebacker core yesterday was so thin. We had Kalen Saunders taking reps at linebacker for most of the second half, dude. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, he actually didn't do that bad, but Kalen Saunders rip. is going to contribute down the line for this team. He looked great before his elbow I injury. So. I hope so. I, he, again, another high motor guy that has a really high IQ and a knack for making the right play in the right situation. All right, everybody, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Uh, last episode, we just decided that that's true, so it's true. It's time for a beer review. And today, Reese, what are you reviewing for us? Well, my favorite fairy tale of all time, contrary to po uh, popular belief, is not the story of the three little pigs. It's not the tale of three Billy, Groats Billy Goats Gruff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tale of Goldilocks and the three bears. And today I am reviewing a golden ale called Tailwind from Big Grove Brewery out of Iowa City, Iowa. Oh, an IC brew. Interesting. It's also the official beer of Ragbri, or for those of you who don't know, Kyle, what's Ragbri stand for? Registers annual great bike race across Iowa. Dude, Kyle is like automatic with those questions on the spot. I was born to be on one of those like uh, rookie tier game shows where like you can win like two hundred like a two hundred dollar <laughs> gift card to Chili's. That would be my wheelhouse. <laughs> you mean just like any dive bar trivia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when are we gonna like challenge some other podcasts to trivia? Just like buzzer trivia, because Kyle's gonna kill that. We can, because literally every podcast and their mom messages us every day. Hey, follow us on blah, blah, blah. And don't forget to subscribe on blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, okay, okay, okay. But are, are you going to follow us too? And they're like, oh, righteous, righteous. <laughs> <laughs> I post the memes that are too spicy for everybody else. Real basketball <laughs> memes. <laughs> anyway. Too much ripping on the uh, ye old friends of the podcast. More talking about the tailwind <laughs> yeah, gold really nail. Really biting the hand that feeds us, huh? Or not if they're not following us. Yeah, if they're not following us, they're also not going to listen to this podcast, so it's all good. Shout out to our Patreon followers. Yeah, shout out to our Patreon followers. <laughs> yeah, shout, shout, shout out to the true friends. Dear friends of the podcast, official friends of the podcast, we'll be reaching out to uh, all of you on that uh, tier individually. Seeing what beers you want reviewed on the podcast or uh, joining us in the podcast to review a beer. Because remember, here at Fountain City Sports Media, we work for you. First category, aroma. <clears throat> Man, it's a clean floral aroma. A little bit of citrus in there. A lot of floral notes in there. That's kind of what I'm getting. For those of you playing at home, a golden ale, a Kolsch, and a blonde are all kind of like... I don't know, cousins, but closer than cousins, but not. They're they're all in the lager family, yeah. Uh, technically, they're ales, but oh. they can be finished with lager malts. So, you know, they yeah, got that yeah, going yeah. for them. That's that's the tying factor. Uh, so yeah, it's a nice, clean smelling beer. Smells easy to drink. I'm gonna give it a basic seven on aroma. Nice, going with the whole numbers today. We like that. A a basic seven, but maybe an Iowa eight. As far as Iowa breweries go, Iowa's been upping their brewery game quietly and deftly over the That's last true. 18 That's months. That's true. Top so, line Yeah, get out Sorry. of here. Get out of here with that. I mean, Confluence has entered the chat. <laughs> Peace Tree has entered the chat. Absolutely. Uh, no, that's right. I went to Peace Tree. Exile that. has entered the chat. Exile. Even. They've really upped their game lately, yeah. 
Yeah, man. Big Grove got some big hurt after you said that, Armando. Uh, number two, appearance. Uh, okay, so this where it gets difficult. Uh, as you might be able to tell, uh, I record out of my studio apartment recording studio, which is the closet. And the overhead light is out, so I have two Hoogla reading lamps as my light. And they are both... Looks like a Guinness for me. <laughs> they are both shedding me in, like, red sun radiation. So everything kind of looks a shade of orange and goldenrod. But even then, I can tell appearance... Uh, this is a very clear beer, as in if I squint, I can make out there's two faces on my computer screen behind the beer. I know this is going to be a very clear to golden color. A lot of carbonation action going on in that glass, so that thing is uh, effervescent AF. And uh, there was a nice about inch head, pure white when I opened it up. Now it's retaining a nice uh, quarter inch ahead. Pretty looking lace around the glass. That's real clean and even. I'm giving an appearance of this one. This is a 9-2. Oh, yeah. Bringing it. Oh, The fundamental elements of this beer are all just in line, man. This is this is as uniform as you can get. Number three, flavor. All right. I've been so thirsty. This is going to be fantastic. Hmm. That is nice. It's, uh, it's semi-malty. It's a little bit maltier than I would have thought, judging by the nose. I get some of the floral notes. Uh, I get some of the floral notes going down. You know, a little bit of that citrus action going there. Not a whole lot of like spice. I mean, you're not gonna find a whole bunch of spice in a Kolsch or a blonde or anything like that. Anyway, uh, well, okay, blonde sort of blonde. You kind of get those esters and all that action going on, which I'm I'm getting some here. Not a whole bunch, but that's not a bad thing. You know, if this is the official beer of Ragbri, my guess is that you're meant to be getting off of a 45-mile day going down a sun-blazed Iowa highway, and you want one of these beers. So it's 4.5%. It's got a moderate flavor. It's not going to kill you. So excuse me for rambling, but I'm going to give the flavor on this a solid 8.1. Nice. How about mouthfeel? Much like the appearance of the beer, it's a very smooth and very uniform mouthfeel. It covers the tongue nicely. Got a nice medium body to it. You get a little bit of that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Carbonation sparkle as you drink it. Very pleasant. That's an inoffensive mouthfeel, and that thing goes down smooth. So I'm going to be giving this an 8.8 .8 on mouthfeel. 8.8. .8. All righty, almost a 9. Big time, big time. How about uh, aftertaste? Hmm. You know, now that it's opening up a little bit more in my glass... I'm getting more of those citrus notes in there, and that's pretty nice. And the malt profile is unstankifying a little bit. Uh, you know, I did look up this beer, and it says there's Amarillo hop in there, which is a surprising hop to be using in a beer like this. It's, you know, it's a pretty action-filled hop for a blonde. So okay, I'm getting a little bit of bitterness in the sides of the tongue, which is definitely like the hoppy dank bitterness. But it doesn't taste too bad coming back up, so I'm going to say aftertaste in this one. Uh, what did I give flavor on it? Did I give it 8.7? 8.8? 8.8? Uh, eight, eight, eight? No, that, that was mouthfeel. Was it 8.9? Uh, I think flavor. Oh, you you win the 7 category, didn't you? No, for flavor? that was for uh, aroma. No, I think you gave it a 9.2 for flavor, right? Did I give it a... I'm not really paying attention Hold on, over I here. will come back in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 and tell you what I got <laughs> on this. I'll just cut that in there. 
So whatever you just heard is the number I'm giving this for aftertaste. Talk about uniformity. Whoa. Oh, wow. It's going to it's going to be I gave it an 8. I gave it an 8 big stars. And last but not least, the Big Grove drove to the quality beer trove. What's the BDQ on this one? Well, first off, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say this beer is certified crushable. Uh, there is a lot of crushable. a lot of flavor going on in that beer, but also with a nice medium to light body, not too much carbonation, easy to drink flavor. This is a crushable beer. And you know what? If this beer is good enough for the Register's annual great bike ride across Iowa, it's good enough for me. This is a 9.3 BDQ. Amazing. Another great review. Thanks, Reese. Thank you, Reese. You're welcome. I'm proud of these acronyms, but I can't wait to get dragged on Twitter. <laughs> Look at this AFC playoff situation for us, guys. I want to know, do any of these teams really worry you in the AFC? Oh, for sure. Uh, just, if, not, if no other reason, then because our offense has struggled to match the productivity of the first half of the season in the last half of the season. And uh, our defense has proven to be able to play really well when we need to, not necessarily all the time. So I, you know, that's a recipe to possibly get sniped by a team that's hot. Um, I'll say there's no team that I'm terrified of. I think you can make cases for a couple of these, why we would rather or would rather not face them. Uh, I think the fact that, um, this new COVID rule, um, you know, facilitates that the lowest remaining seed moves on. There's not a bracket. Uh, I, you know, I think that plays into sort of what we want. Um, I think there's a lot of moving parts to this, but in answer to your question, yeah, there's a few teams that scare me a little bit. There's no team that terrifies I'm going to agree with Kyle here. I'm going to say, ideally, I would like to play the Browns in the divisional round. And then who would the lowest team be in the finals at that point? Oh, geez, I don't even like the lowest team. I don't think Tennessee could – I don't think we could wind up playing Tennessee, could we? If if the Browns and the Ravens both win, then we play the Browns. It's uh, oh, yeah. there's, oh, okay. there's a lot right, of good teams in the AFC. I, I don't think it's too much of a hyperbole to say this is arguably the best conference in the NFL of the last 20 years. I don't think there's been a deeper NFC or AFC than the one we're looking at right now. So Let's put a caveat to that in that – as much as that's true, the best team, i.e. us, is not the best team of the last 20 years. We're the most talented team of the last 20 years. Wait, wait, wait. There was a whole can of worms right now. So Reese just said that this is the deepest. There was an 11-5 and team that missed the playoffs after expanding the playoffs by an extra seed this year. You can't tell me that's not deep. The eight seed is 11-5. and What I'm saying is that all of these teams can play against each other, even though our team is really talented. I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of agree with Reese, but okay, maybe I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just think that the Chiefs are in their own tier. I don't think there's another person in that tier, and then everyone else maybe is in tier two and tier three, which to me doesn't make it deep because I. I don't think there really is a rival to the Chiefs, as opposed to sometimes in previous playoffs, you'll have three or four people that can 
be in the Super Bowl where I just don't see that at all this year. But but this is the thing, though. The fact that they're so deep, statistically, it makes it harder to run through a gauntlet of the playoffs in the conference. So it's more likely that some team that's even, like, you know, good but semi-flawed at quarterback, like the Colts, you know, could easily make the Super Bowl with the right matchups. Like, the second you take us out of the equation, let's say we – pardon me. Let's say we stumble – you know, it's like I think anybody outside of Cleveland could make the playoffs out of the the AFC. That's a fair point. That, that that's or, a fair sorry, point. excuse me, make the Super Bowl outside of the AFC. What, what I think is even more interesting. Well, sorry, say it another way. What I think is also interesting uh, is that the first game is Saturday at noon, and if the Colts win that game, we know our opponent. If the Colts upset the Bills at noon on Saturday, that gives us an extra thirty six hours to prepare for them. <laughs> Shout out to friend of the podcast, Alex from Fort Wayne. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a Colts fan. I want you to be happy, but I don't want to play the Colts, so please don't win. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you guys think is the biggest threat in the AFC, specifically to the Chiefs? Let's first say who we should root for in each matchup based on who we least want to play. For me, that's easy. Rather play the Colts than the Bills. I sort of had that argument with my dad earlier because uh, you can make the argument that you'd rather play the Bills again, although, you know, they have been playing well recently. So uh, I think by, by, by a hair, would rather play the Colts. Would rather play the Titans and the Ravens, and I'd rather play the Browns and the Steelers. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Those are all, well, I lied. I agree with two-thirds of that. I would rather play the Browns and the Steelers. I'd rather play the Titans than the Ravens. But I'd rather play the Bills than the Colts, mainly because I still think Josh Allen is playing well right now. But he's a very flawed quarterback, particularly when you make him uncomfortable and you make him have to throw with accuracy. He's still not that great. And if we can manage to really put a hamper on Stephon Diggs, which has been like really his only outlet this year, I think you're going to see more of what we saw in the first game, which is a pretty mediocre passing game, a defense that's taken a step or two back this year, and the quarterback has got a big old arm, but he's not necessarily the most accurate guy in the bunch. Now you compare that to the Colts, you know, they've got Phillip Rivers, but it's like you got to believe if it comes to playing us in the playoffs, Phillip Rivers is going to get one more show in the chamber to try and put the Chiefs right between the eyes. Oh yeah, you're going to have uh, you're going to have Dustin or Justin Houston at that linebacker spot who wants revenge for letting us go. And as I've mentioned before, he has like two allocated Khalil Mack level games a year where he decides to show up and play like an All Pro. <laughs> so I could see. What worries me is I could see a game where the defense is enough to slow us down and stymie us while that offense can get up and yeah. suddenly we're down 17-7. to So then in the second half, all they do is just kind of run out the clock with Neam Hines and that running back core they have. And, I mean, we saw it last year. We played him in week two, you know, and that was with Jacoby Brissett. I definitely agree with Reese because the, uh, the Colts are the best defense in the AFC. Like, they have an amazing defense. The Steelers did have a great defense, but then they went on this, like, four-game slump and just looked terrible, where the Colts' defense has carried Phillip Rivers to this position. Like, Phillip Rivers is, is playing okay. You know, you say that. You say that, and I'm not sure the numbers back that up. The Colts being the best defense in the AFC, I, I understand that they're very talented, and they have that reputation. So, sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I'm not sure by that game by game that gets. That's okay. Up. I mean, I'm just from the from the eye test. Like their their defense is better than the Bills, better than the Steelers, better than the Browns, better than the Titans. Definitely better than the Ravens because of the Ravens' recent woes. So I think they are the best defense in the playoffs. I mean, maybe some 
there was a better defensive team statistically outside of the playoffs. But I mean, Bills don't have a great defense. The Browns don't have a great defense. The Titans don't have a great defense. The Steelers had an amazing defense in the first half of the season, then it didn't pan out. And then the Ravens have been lukewarm, you know. But no, Colts, I mean, the Colts even is, is fantastic. And I think that they really have carried Phillip Rivers. I mean, I guess, but this season, the Colts lost to the Browns. They lost to the Ravens. They lost to the Titans. It's true, but the Colts have only lost one of their last uh, five games to end the season. Uh, that was to the Steelers. They lost that game that the referees kind of hornswoggled them out of that. But I mean, right? But but look at their opponents, right? It's nobody. Well, I mean, you got the okay, okay, Kyle. If you if you run that argument, then who who is the best defense in the AFC playoff wise? Uh, I mean, I think you probably have to go back to either the Steelers or the Bills, just statistically. But the Bills don't have a good defense this year. Yeah, Bills defense suck. <laughs> the Bills defense is I porous. Mean, maybe maybe Steelers, maybe the Steelers, but the Colts like just just from watching the Colts play. They're, they they look scary, and I do not want to play the Colts in the in the playoffs because they could figure something out. And I don't mind you know playing the Bills defense. I don't mind going to a shootout with Josh Allen. And even though Josh Allen only has Stephon Diggs to Reese's point, he does have some great running backs that are kind of coming into their own right now, which looks kind of scary. So I would definitely rather take that shootout than like a 17 to 14 you know 17 to 14 just like rough game against the Colts yeah I'm agreeing the, the Bills right now it's like not, I'm not saying you know bring on all comers bring me the Bills like they're still a very capable team it's got a great coach with McDermott but I don't know it, it still feels like a very flawed team to me by and large uh and again I say that having Josh Allen as my fantasy quarterback all week so I got a you know a nice <laughs> look at the dude uh, but Josh Josh Allen might steal a, a vote for the most valuable player this year from Mahomes. Oh, yeah, and it'll be from himself probably. Jeez <laughs> Louise, he's not the most valuable player in the NFL. I mean, guys, again, go, going by your logic, the last six games for Buffalo are beat the Chargers by 10, beat the Niners by 10, beat the Steelers by more than 10, beat the Broncos by like 30, beat the Patriots by 30, and beat the Dolphins by 30. I don't really want to play that team. I would not rather play that team than the Colts. I just don't see that argument holding up. No, Bills are definitely hotter. You're right. But I would rather go into a shootout with Josh Allen over a good defense. I would not. Again, going back to my point where our offense, the first half of the season, yes. Our offense, the last six games, no. It's really tough. The, the Bills are playing well, but top to bottom, I'm just not as afraid of that team in terms of matchups as I am a team like the Colts. Just because, you know, like I said, they're a lot to me like the Ravens last year where they're putting up a bunch of points to flex and to build themselves confidence. You know, just like convincing themselves they're this all-star juggernaut team. But I, I want to see what happens when they play some adversity because that Pittsburgh defense was giving them fits for the better part of three quarters until they finally pulled away. And that was Pittsburgh at like the, the uh, what's the opposite of a zenith, the valley of their free fall this year. Said I, I definitely agree with with Reese on on all of them. The Bills, I would rather face. I'd rather face the Browns, and I'd rather face the Titans for sure. If we go by that, then out of those teams that we don't want to see, i.e., the Steelers, the Ravens, and then let's include the Colts and the Bills since we disagree. Out of those four, out of those out of those four, who do you most not want to see? Steelers, Ravens, Colts, and Bills. Okay, 
Steelers, Colts, and Bills, I would not want to see the uh, the uh, Steelers, even though the Steelers have not been playing well in the last couple games. I know, Reese, I know. <laughs> but Ben Roethlisberger is playing well. He's playing well. And when, and when that defense is playing well, TJ Watt, all those great defensive linemen, they have really good um, cornerbacks as well. Joe Hayden's playing really well if he comes back from uh, COVID. That's a very good team that I don't want to play in the playoffs if they go into playoff mode. Like, how many of these teams can go into playoff mode? Bills, we don't really know. Colts, that's just a jumbled team right now. The Ravens, we know, are not good in the playoffs. The Titans aren't great in the playoffs. The Steelers have a track record that I do not like. Even though the, the, uh, these past four games might not hold up, that's a team that's experienced. Experience means a lot in the playoffs, so I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to face Big Ben. Dude, I'm not afraid of Big Ben right now. We, I think we have a lot of aging quarterbacks in the league, and Big Ben is another one who looks like he can't throw accurately or over 15 yards if his life depended on it. Um, So out of those four teams, I'm not super afraid of the Steelers. I guess the only reason they didn't wind up in the four I wanted to play is because they were against the Browns, so it was like the slightly lamer of two evils. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone's saying that the Ravens are getting hot at the right time right now, but geez, if we're going to dissect the Ravens' last five games as well, Cowboys, Browns, which they almost lost, Jaguars, Giants, Bengals. I think there's a cumulative... Uh, take, take the Browns out of this. Cumulative, what, 10 wins there maybe for the season? So, you know, it's that's that's almost as cakewalk a last five games as the Colts. Exactly. And they had a three game losing streak where they couldn't do anything against the Patriots defense, which, you know, we've shown is good, not great. So, again, I don't want to play them just because there's such this like you never know what you're going to get. They run that just like slop offense, you know, where it's just like, hey, what's the play here? Run around until something breaks down. Great. You know, it's which, again, with our defense and our, you know, discipline, a lot could break down. So. I think the team I'd most like to not play, I, I, you'll hate me for this, Reese, but I, I, I'll i agree with Armando simply because I'm superstitious and I'm I'm way more superstitious of that matchup and having to play Pittsburgh than, for instance, like if we do match up with the Colts in that debacle of 2014, you know, I, I, I don't know. That's so far in the past. That Pittsburgh game is not that far in the past. Uh, and so... I, I, I don't know. I'm just superstitious when it comes to the playoffs, so I'd rather skip the Steelers. Stevie Wonder, I'm going to have to ask you right now to not be so superstitious because that, Steel that Steelers game only comes, isn't it, two years after that Colts debacle? And guess what? Patrick Mahomes has exercised the curse of the Colts. He's exercised the curse of the playoff wins at Arrowhead. He's exercised the curse of not making the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. I don't think this turgid Steelers team is some sort of giant pit demon that Patrick Mahomes can't just go up there, baptize with some ketchup, <laughs> and kick its butt. So then, really quickly, let's uh, let's look at the four first-round match or the three first-round matchups on the other side, and who do we want out of the picture? Let's let's start with Rams Seahawks. Rams at the Seahawks. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say I'd rather play the. Who wait? Who who do we not want? Right. I mean, the, the, these ones are so obvious because none of them will happen. The Rams won't beat the Seahawks. Uh, Washington won't beat the Buccaneers, and the Bears won't beat the Saints. Although, if any of those three happened, I'd be very happy. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that front, hundred percent. 
Washington has a great defense, but they won't win. But right. their defense is if they're offense, I wish they would win. Shout out to Alex Smith. Shout out to Alex Smith. Yeah, but if they're offense, show- I mean, just for Alex Smith to be playing again, going to the playoffs, Ron Rivera coming back from cancer. Like, yeah, totally. Just them making it to the playoffs is a t- is, is a, like a Super Bowl win. Oh, for I think Washington. Rivera. Absolutely. I think Rivera's no coach of the year. I don't see how he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, er- earlier in the day. I was making the case that we should play the Bills instead, and honestly, my dad talked me out of it. Well, again, I'm not saying, you know, come one, come all, give me the Bills. They're probably on my list of teams that I'm like, if they lost, I'd be like, gee whiz, it's great. Uh, and, you know, th- this is probably just me overthinking and saying I don't want to play the Colts. I'm probably, like, schottenheimering myself on this. But Maybe the X factor is that if the Colts win, again, we know our opponent 36 hours early. Also, big big caveat to that entire debate is that I'm not really worried about any of these six teams. I just needed to pick a team that I need that I needed to contribute. Like like honestly, I'm not I'm not worried about any of the teams at all. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at Fountain City SM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.